give her testimony. She's going to sing. She's going to play. She's going to minister to us. And we're going to just enjoy the presence of the Lord. Hi, church. How are y'all this morning? This is so cool. I've never been like had a responsive congregation before. I grew up reformed, so this is very different. Um, okay, if you want to go to the next slide, I'll show a photo of my family really quick, hopefully. If not, that's okay. Okay, so I was adopted at the age of 10 months old from China, and my mom lives here in New Jersey in the States. There she is on the right. Um, That's my beautiful mom. And then the bottom left corner, that's my immediate family. So those are my mom's parents, my grandfather in the wheelchair, my grandmother standing next to her. And that is Carl behind me. He's kind of like a stepfather figure to me, so I'm very thankful. Um, Yes, without any of them, I am so... I wouldn't be here where I am today, especially my mom and all she sacrificed for me going to China. The whole process of adoption is just one of the most beautiful things we've um, learned about and talked about. And it's just one of the things that when you grow up adopted later in life, you'll somehow make this connection like you're able to under this, understand the gospel slightly more in an intimate way. Because this relationship in my life that my mom met, like made with me. All the sacrifices she's made, how she traveled, there was a price paid to come, and I am now her daughter. Like, that is just a sliver of, like, a metaphor that I can now relate to how much the author of the universe, like, came down, paid a price so that I can be his daughter, so that you can be his children as well. And thank you for (laughs) listening to me. Quite nervous. Okay, so I didn't know what to call this. I called it My Story, His Grace, because ultimately this is all of his story in all of our lives, proclaiming his glory and his grace. So I grew up in a Christian home like ship. I learned the right answer, but not really under the girl who always raised her hand first. I was the girl who could recite Bible verses, but not really understand what they meant, because I'm only five or six at the time. <laughs> and it was too young and too busy to truly understand the saving relationship. I mean, a five- or six-year-old, you're probably obsessed with some sort of Disney Channel show, some of your favorite foods, coloring in kindergarten, and that was okay. My parents were like, she's not, like, reckless. She's not getting into bad stuff. So she's like, okay. And I was like, I'm a good person, I think. I'm not doing anything bad. I was a straight-A student involved in every single activity you could be. So, like, basically I never was at home until I had to go to sleep and have dinner and breakfast. And then I was out the door, came back again at, like, 7 o'clock p.m. because of dance. I love doing dance despite my knee problem. I love playing piano. I've been playing since I was about four. Um... I love doing the choirs at my school, despite the friendships. was probably not the best congregation to hang out with, but the music, again, was such a thing that I was always drawn to in my life. Um, and any extracurricular programs, like drama club, art club, science club, I was very involved. Um, so that was my uh, middle school age. And then around seventh grade, I started to get super frustrated. And I can get, like, super broad with this. Um, I was frustrated with my church that I grew up in. So around the age of 11 or 12, like, I started to be that kid on the outside because I wasn't cool, and I was fine. I knew I wasn't cool. Um, It was a very exclusive youth group of, like, maybe five to seven kids, and they were all, like, friends. Two were sisters and, like, you know, that clique you always have. Never really was a part of it, and because of that, I did not desire to read the word or really grow spiritually because I didn't have anyone to really, like, influence me. 
as that 11-year-old. So, like, I was just like, oh, no one really wants to reach out to me. It's fine. Like, I'm doing fine. Again, I was involved. I thought I was doing well. I wasn't doing so well, obviously. So another thing that I was frustrated at was my family. Um, so my dad was an alcoholic. He's still alive. Uh, he's in the picture in the sense of, like, we have a relationship, which is really good. Praise the Lord. Um, still working on that. That's a small prayer request if you can keep working on his heart and my heart at the same time. Um, but because of that, my dad got really clinging. And then the age of middle school, you're like, I can do everything by myself. I can, like, accomplish the world. I don't need my parents. I don't need help. I don't need guidance. So that just kind of ultimately drove me away from my father. And then my mom was super codependent in, like, the whole situation, like, trying to be okay for me, trying to be okay for the family. And I was like, that's where I got my people-pleasing skills from, which is not good, so don't do it. <laughs> and eventually it had ended up in a divorce that I, at the time, actually wished for because my mom was not happy. I was not happy because my mom wasn't happy. So you see how that behavior got passed down in the family. So as I went up to her one day, I was like, Mom, I want you guys to get a divorce. Why? Um, because you're not happy and I don't like Dad right now. Uh, it was as simple as that. I was very blunt, and I don't know how she received it. And I don't know if she ever forgives me for that for today. I'm sure she does. She can understand how frustrated I was. She so see, like, a father figure in my life not be a father and just didn't want to deal with that in my life. So ultimately, at the end of it, I was just really frustrated at God. Um, middle school was not working out for me socially. I was great academically, great extracurricularly, but, like, no friends. And that's okay. I just loved people in a different way that, like, people didn't love me back. So, like, quality time, acts of service, gift giving. Not, 11, not a lot 11 or 12-year-olds, like, have that mindset at that age. So I thought that no one loved me. And then I just felt my family falling apart. And I didn't really feel appreciated by anyone. Kind of like a love language disconnect. Liberty students, you know what I'm talking about with, like, love languages? I hope you know that. <laughs> if not, go read up on it, and it, like, might help some relationships in your lives that you don't think there's love. But there's love there, just in a different way. Um, and then eventually, I just gave up and tried to be my own savior for three years. Maybe four. I can't count. But I left the church. I left the church around seventh or eighth grade because of the divorce was just so bad. In my mind, it was just like, I don't understand, like, a father-daughter relationship here. How can a God be my father? I didn't understand, like, why everything was falling apart. And I was like, you know what? I can just do this on my own. It's the very independent, to see, succeed on your own mindset. And I feel like that's a lot of today, church. And I just pray that we can break through that. I mean, we still have our moments. I still have my moments on that. Um. <laughs> So the time away from my church, from like seventh to freshman year, which is about three years, I just busied myself again with more activities, overworking myself. It was the usual, but this time it was a lot different. I was always exhausted, and I was always drained. I would wake up at 6 in the morning for high school, go to school till 2.30. Then I would drive a half hour to my dance lessons, stay there for like five or six hours, then come home, eat dinner on the ride home, and then go to choir, and then around 9 or 10, start doing homework. I did not sleep well in high school the first two years. And I was always exhausted because I thought my performance was going to be my main identity in high school. How I was doing academically, how I was doing socially, not so well again. How I was doing in my dance classes, how I was doing in my piano. And 
And you can see how someone can get really tired after that. And, I mean, I don't know what your personal thing is that you choose to cling on to, but mine was my performance. It still is my performance. Thank you, thank you. I'm so thankful. Like, it's just very calming in here. I just feel like I'm talking to family. Thank you, church. Yeah, we are family, right? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so, sophomore year of high school, I go to a youth group, and my mom pulls up to the end of the driveway, and she's like, okay, here's youth group, and it was a different church than I grew up in. I was like, mom, I'm not getting out of the car. They're all friends, and I'm going to be the loser again. And she's like, honey, I'm not moving the car till you get out. So it was either stay in the car with my mom for three hours and have everyone look at me or get out of the car and try to actually, like, you know, make friends like a normal 16-year-old. It was weird. Um, But I noticed this congregation was different because of their works. And now I'm not saying you have to do works to be justified. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Lord justifies us because of his works but because of the spirit living in us we are called to do good works i mean if we're living with the spirit in us there should be some sort of change yeah the old is gone the new has come so i really saw the newness and they weren't perfect obviously but i saw them emulating or trying to chase after the holiness of christ because he is holy and that is our ultimate goal is to bring glory to him through all that we do to give the glory back to him and if we're not doing anything we're not really like chasing him we're just standing um so it was just really cool that i realized again sorry uh the personal relationship with the savior was more important than law keeping more important than performance and this was the first time because like you got to see the people actually reach out not because they had to but because they wanted to because christ did that for them you saw them provide for you because christ provided for them so why shouldn't i pass this along And it's this overflowing thing from the fountain that we're able to just flow and overflow into others because the Lord's overflowing into us. It's not us trying to do it on our own. Yeah, I love that. I love fountains. The kids' song, Deep and Wide, Deep and Wide, you know, that's my favorite song. (laughs) And I was so eager to learn about who this Jesus was. Not that he was different in the other church, but it's just I didn't understand And I'm, like, okay with saying I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't understand that personal relationship until now. Um, The Lord did not cause that, like, confusion, but he definitely used that time to make me appreciate in the moment when I was supposed to know him the most. And if I didn't go through those dry seasons, I wouldn't know how fruitful, how awesome this living water tasted otherwise. So... I accepted and received Christ, and I know this term gets, like, overused or kind of gets numbing, the personal Savior part, but I accepted him as my personal Savior when I was 17-ish, and he is sovereign over all, and he is, while he is sovereign over all, he is personal, which is an amazing thing, how sometimes we just think he's so up there in, like, a chair just like all the way over there, but he knows you right here in this moment. And I love the scriptures. That's like, he knows how many hairs are in your head. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you need before you ask it. Like that one like gets to me all the time. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I don't even know it. How you know it. (laughs) And Christ lived a life that no one else could. And that really like hurts like my performance thing. Like, I don't care. Like I could check off all my boxes, get straight A's, get all the scholarships, or, like, get the highest level degree in whatever I wanted, and that still wouldn't be enough. 
nothing would be enough. It's because Christ lived that life that no one else could, and no one will. And so that's why he's the only one we can turn to in our time of desperation, in our time of need, in our time of celebration, too. Like, he's still the same person whether you're on a mountaintop or a valley. So bless the Lord. So I accept, you accept the gift of God that it says in 623, the free gift of God of eternal life. And you want to learn to walk by the Spirit, which is talked about in Galatians. And my teacher uses this example. If you're walking, it's a pattern. You want to go somewhere. You don't take a step forward and step back. He calls this rocking, like a rocking chair. This is not walking with the Spirit because you're going back and forth. (laughs) Dr. Gabriel Miller, holiness is not an option. Get his book now. It's not mine. I'm supposed to, like, quote him. And stand firm against... That's in Ephesians, where we put on the armor. We're called to stand firm. And that's not different saying, like, you can't walk with the spirit and stand firm. Like, stand firm against, like, the spirits of evil or just, like, any trials you face in your life. You have to stand firm and just, like, remember what you're doing and remember whose you are and remember who's the one who saved you and all that fun stuff. Amazing stuff, actually. Okay. Next slide. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about, like, what I've been learning this semester. So... It's kind of like, this is where if you want to take notes, you can take notes. I'm not saying I got all this perfect, but okay. So the first thing I've been learning is to remember him in all circumstances. Um, so this is really cool part of my testimony coming here to Cornerstone. Um, the first or second sermon that I was here, uh, we talked about turning points. And this is all the way in January. So if you have your notebooks and you can flip back to January in your notes, that would be awesome. If you don't. I can just tell you a little bit what we read about. Um, Okay. So remember him in all circumstances. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 3. It's also on the board there. So the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go and to possess the land that the Lord swore to to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. Uh, Verse 3 says, He has humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man does not live by bread alone, but a man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Um, this just requires complete obedience. I use um, Blue Letter Bible, which is a commentary by David Guzik to help me understand passages. It's really cool to see the terms humble because you don't I – don't, I didn't know what humble meant. When I was younger, I asked my mom in the car. I was like, Mom, what does humble mean? And she's like, well, it means just like you know who you are. You don't boast about yourself. You're very like – confident in who you are but you don't promote yourself and she's like why and I'm like I'm supposed to know like what it means so I can be humble because people tell me I should be humble so that's the the little cute story there and it's just through these testings we can assure that God's not leaving us we can assure that like here he was testing the Israelites to know what was in their heart are they going to choose to follow the commandments and like press on and have faith in the Lord or are they going to choose to rebel which they did which is pretty much a lot of the Old Testament but you see grace after grace and grace upon grace in the, the stories of that so 
Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of bread. And I just think of our daily bread. And I just think about like what we just did here is remembering what Christ did on the cross for us. We have to go back to remembering him. And that was one of the points in Pastor Taylor's sermon that really stuck out to me. This semester, I haven't really been remembering him. So there was a day that I just sat down, wrote a letter, and I'm like, God, I'm going to write about everything you ever did for me from beginning of time. I'm sorry, from beginning of time to now, including the crucifixion, including the resurrection, including the outpouring of the spirit, including to the point when I was born, which is all I know. And then this part is all faith. And then seeing him do it in my life up until now. Um, okay, so this is where I'm going to sing a song. If you guys want to open to Psalm 106. This is what the song is based upon. Don't forget what he has done in your past, how he's orchestrated everything perfectly. He sees where you are currently. He's not far away. He knows exactly what you're going through. And remember that who he was in the past is still who he is today. So this song is called Remember Me. I pray that the lyrics will be on the screen. You can meditate however you need to. If you catch on to the melody, that'd be cool and you sing with me. Um, but yeah, just this whole song is from him, a father, to you as a child. So I'm just going to. Also, can you hear me here? Okay, awesome. I learned how to do this last time. Thank you, Don, for writing out my cheat notes here. Okay.
That was the first song I ever wrote this semester, and I was super nervous about that. There's a lot of meaning behind it, um, but I'm very thankful that the Lord made it super personal in the way that anyone can relate to it. Just like the gospel, it doesn't matter where you've been. It matters that he's already covered it, and he's wanting to walk through whatever you have to go through next with you. Okay, so number two, enjoy his presence. If you're taking notes, write this down. Quote Nasser. Um, there, yeah, thank you, Liberty students, again. There are so many times that, like, we're just waiting and waiting and wanting things in our life. I mean, how many times do we want that new job promotion or that new, like, house or, like, just something to finally work out in our lives? And there's, like, so many things that we could choose to focus our minds upon. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord shared with me this song. Um, if we go to our Bible verses, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16. Verses 22 and verse 24. 16 says, Now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it is pleased to the Lord to make you a people for himself, and only fear the Lord, and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he's done for you. So the remembering aspect is coming back, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, there's so many times we forget to remember, and it's because when we remember, we can stand still and wait. We can remember, like, okay, like, if you wait for trains, like, it came yesterday. It's going to come again. I just have to wait here and be patient. Trains do run late. He never runs late. That's the only fault with that metaphor. And the thing is, like, in the seasons of waiting and wanting, like, we can just enjoy the presence of the Lord and who he is. Oh, wow, those are my lyrics. <laughs> We can remember his aseity, how he is independent from the beginning. He is without, like, origin. He, he just was there. And that's something we often forget. We can remember that he's consistent when the people have failed us in our life. Like, he will never fail us. He is consistent. We can remember he is infinite and hard to grasp. Like, there are some parts we'll never be able to understand about him, but he's personal in the parts that he's chosen to reveal to us. He is sovereign in will and power. He is good through his benevolence and love and his grace and his mercy. And he is holy, 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 and he is righteous. So if you open up to another passage, Psalm 27.4, this is something I've really been challenged as a songwriter to do, is to really just not manipulate the words of scripture. Because um, I love hymns. Hymns are one of my favorite things. I study them. So this is Psalm 27.4. Um, one thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, which in an NLT version, I believe, says to enjoy his presence. Um, so this song, I have a little coined phrase from it that says, I want to live 27-4-24-7. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but imagine if we, as a generation, started like living like this all the time. And I know there's a bunch of things we could like search for in our lives, but... If we are seeking the presence and to just gaze upon his beauty, how much will that overflow into our relationships? How much will that outflow in school and work and those people that we don't really like? How much will that just transform us more than how much we've already been transformed? So this song is called 27-4. Um, and there's a quote that I have by James Gall here I wrote. Learning to be quiet but the, for the Lord is one of the greatest challenges we face today in our quest to enter in and experience true in, intimacy with him. Because we're always too busy, like, trying to run and stuff. And I'm going to shout this so I can walk over. Um, and that's just what 
I don't know. But yeah, so this one is called 27-4. And I really pray that this song just like could be someone's just like prayer for the day, prayer for the week.
do things in threes down in here. Um, I'm catching on. I'm catching on to pastoral things. Um, vertical comfort is something that I see myself seeking a lot more now. Um, it's not the comfort of financial stability or um, having, like, the, like, a relationship or, like, getting the classes to get, like, the best jobs in the future. It's because if it's those things, like, if they fail, like, where are you running to? Because it's not stable. And you don't want to put your hope in something that's not stable. There are certain things that are just going to come in your life, and they're going to knock you, and they're going to rock you, and it's going to be like, okay, like, what am I standing on? Am I standing on my achievements? Am I standing on, like, the hopes and dreams and expectations of others? Or am I going to choose to stand on this rock over here who's been here since the beginning of time, right? I like walking around. It's fun. (laughs) So I have this uh, devotional. It's called New Morning Mercies. And Paul David Tripp does a beautiful job about writing just convicting words for the heart. So he writes... The physical created world is full of engaging and entertaining delights. So, like, the things that we might, like, have our hearts on, they're not bad. But if we choose to make them our foundation, then they're bad. So he says, but it's important to understand that nothing in the physical world can give you the life that your heart longs for. Isn't that deep? It hits me all the time. Um, And then he continues and says, God alone is able to bring the deepest of joy and contentment to your heart. The deepest. Like, like some things might bring you, like, like two meters deep, but he's going, like, all the way, like, deep. Like, all the way down to Mariana's Trench and deeper. Um, so there are seasons in this life, and I love the word seasons because it's really cool. Seasons in life that point us to the never-changing, steadfast God we serve. And they're meant to, like James says, to um, test our faith to refine us, to make us more like gold. Um, Yeah. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfulness or patience. Um, And let steadfulness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So just the fact that, like, when we realize the Lord is with us through those trials, we don't want anything else. We want... I dare, like, prayer this prayer a lot, but I actually prayed maybe three weeks ago, like, God put me through the trials, and I was like, I don't know what I just asked for, but, like, <laughs> sometimes you got to pray a bold prayer like that and be really scared, because, like, I don't know about you, but I want to keep being refined and getting, like, the chiseled parts out of me that I don't want and he doesn't want, so I can be more like him, because he's already holy and he calls me to be holy, so if you want a, a difficult prayer, pray that one. And you'll, he'll obviously bring you through it. He says, when you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The God of the universe who created everything is going to be with you through your trials. You have nothing to fear. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. You think of, um, is it Daniel? The, the people, the three people in the fire, right? Ah, uh, thank you. I know it's in the book of Daniel. I just <laughs> I don't know the names of the people. I'm super sorry. Um, but he was there with you. There was a fourth person in there, and they did not get burned. And they walk out. They're just like, hey, like, what's up? I was in the fire, like, not burned. <laughs> For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Um, okay, so this is the last song. I did not write this song. I wish I did. Um, it's by Hillsong, and it talks about these seasons of life. 
Um, I want to encourage you guys to stand up and worship with me. This talks about proclaiming no matter what season you're in, he is still Lord. And you can still worship because he is God. It's not based on your circumstance. jam you can clap if you want to i really wish i would practice with the worship band because it'd be so cool if they jumped up but another time
providence flow. I know I'm still to be empty again. This seed I received, I will sow. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. <laughs> 